Hello, 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 and welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and I am so excited to be back with you. I am excited about what God has given me for us today. And before we jump into that, I just want to say that I pray you are well. Because we have not been together in a little while, I pray that you've had the opportunity to definitely devour the recent series that we did on God's original intent. And of course, if you have not had the opportunity, maybe you're new to the podcast or just life in general, um, you know, has gotten you know busier. It's there for you waiting. So I do encourage you to go back, listen to um, all those messages. You will be encouraged. You'll be blessed. And more importantly, and most importantly, I should say, you will be really um, built up in what your life according to God, is supposed to look like. God designed our lives for his highest and his best. Oftentimes, life, circumstances, situations, the enemy um, will endeavor to give us a much diminished and reduced version of that good life, that high life. And when we know what God's intentions are for us, then we can lay hold to that by faith and we refuse to indulge that lower level of life because we know that God has so much more in store. So I believe you'll be blessed. We covered a lot of territory over that series and I do encourage you to go back. And even if you have listened, uh, I, I definitely um, believe in revisiting teachings that have ministered to me. So it's there for you. And with that, we are going to jump into today's teaching. We are on episode 43. And today I want to talk to you for a little bit around the topic of return on investment, ROI, as it's commonly referred to. And I believe I may have mentioned it, and I did mention it briefly, very briefly in passing, in one of my previous um, messages that God had given me a word for my life for this year. Uh, Most years I seek the Lord as the new year is about to come in just for you know, what he's really wanting to convey to me for the year ahead, any instructions, any any promises, just what his, you know, his theme for my life would be. And, and, and not that anything else is not applicable from the word, but sometimes there are emphasis that, you know, God is going to do and make in our lives um, in certain time periods. And so as we were leaving 2020 and preparing for 2021, one of the things that the Lord dropped in my heart about my life in particular um, and personally for me for this year that we're in now is that this was going to be a year of return on investment. And I do believe that that is a word that he gave to me for me. But I think the great news is and, and you know, if you if you're a believer, is that it can be a word for you, too, and because the Bible teaches us that. Right. So although God was making emphasis to me um, personally, you can take it if it's in the scripture and you can run with it for your life as well. And so I want to share some things around this topic that I want that I believe will encourage you around, you know, just believing God for, you know, the proper investments. And then beyond that, the return on the investments that we make in our lives. And I, I want to frame it from the God point of view versus the more narrow worldly point of view. Um, I think ultimately all the investments that we make that are of God, that are good, that are, you know, right um, from a natural, you know, day to day living perspective, as well as a spiritual perspective, God endorses 
But I believe a lot of times we overlook the foundation um, and we jump ahead to the manifestation and the fruits of of certain things without really having that proper foundation. And so that's where I want to spend some time with you in this message and possibly in some more to come, just giving you that foundation so that as you continue to grow your life and flow with God and, and allow him to you know, bring his goodness to pass in your life, that you're doing it from that place of a firm foundation because situations change, things happen. But when you have that solid foundation in God, ultimately you're, you are that house that can never be, you know, destroyed. The Bible gave us that parable of the two homes where the storm came and it beat upon both houses. Both houses appeared to be the same. They appeared to be equivalent. But when the storm came, it proved and, and, and reinforced the fact that one house was actually built on a solid foundation. And that was the house that survived the storm, that withstood the storm, that was standing and, and still able to provide shelter and what fulfill its purpose, even after the storm came and, and did its best to take it out. Whereas the other house, although it looked like that, that other house, when you got under the covers and you dug a little deeper, there was no foundation. And that house, the Bible says, great was the fall of it. So that's not what we want in our lives. We don't want to look the part and talk the part and pretend to be the part. But there's really nothing to it. There's really nothing there. No, we want to be the real McCoy, so to speak. We want to be the real McCoy. Does that mean we're flawless? Absolutely not. Does that mean that we're not still learning and growing ourselves as we go forth and we endeavor to help others and lift others? No, but it does mean that we can still have a firm foundation no matter what, whether we fall, whether circumstances beyond our control come into play, um, which are always going to be temporary because the Bible says they're subject to change and the eternal things are the things of God, the promises of God. Um, the power of God, the blood of Jesus, the word of God, what he said to you about your life and ultimately about your destiny. So I want us to make sure that when we think of a return on investment in any area of our lives, not just from a capital perspective and a financial perspective, but from every angle, because if you understand life, then you understand that that's ultimately what life is really all about. When I thought about return on investment, and that phrase, it's really the world's way of saying seed time and harvest, because ultimately to have a return on an investment, you had to make an investment for there to be a return. And that's exactly what seed time and harvest is. The seed is the investment. The harvest is the return on that investment for better or for worse, I should add. And so here we're focusing on, obviously, the blessings and the good things that come that we invest in in our lives and ourselves and our in our worlds. And then we prayerfully receive those abundant harvests that belong to us. And I want to take us to Genesis 26 to start this off. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis 26. If you don't, you can listen and you can always come back to it um, in your, you know, another time. You can always re-listen to the podcast when you have your Bible handy. But if you do have it, Feel free to join me. I am in the New Living Translation, and we're going to pick up here in Genesis 26, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 12. And just to set the scene, Isaac 
is in this land. He's, you know, come there with his wife, um, like his father before him. You know, he's kind of pulled the okie doke over on the king because his wife was beautiful, like his mom before him um, with Abraham and Sarah. And the king and all the men of the land are, are really giving her the eye and, you know, checking her out. And Isaac is afraid, you know, like, oh, my goodness, you know, what if what if they try to, you know, jump me for what, what am I going to do? So I'm just going to tell them that she's my sister and that'll cool that. Well, like it happened with Abraham and Sarah before the king takes Rebecca like they took Sarah and, you know, he's ready to wife her. He's like, hey, you know, she's gorgeous. You know, I want her. Um, I'm the king, so I should be able to have her. And long story short, ultimately, it comes out that, hey, she's not really his sister. She's his wife. And the king, you know, goes through this whole thing of why did you lie to me? Why did you tell me she was your sister when she's really your wife? And he found out that she was his wife because one day he caught them. He caught them. He was looking out his window and he saw them together. And, and the Bible says that Isaac was fondling Rebecca. Well, that's proper when your husband and wife, not so proper when your brother and sister. Right. So that was that was a clue that, hey, something's not quite right with this picture. Um, and God, you know, God fixed it all up. They, it worked out. And Isaac moved on and he ended up being where. There was a famine and instead of leaving and trying to find somewhere where, you know, things were more vibrant and prosperous, the Lord says, no, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay right here um, and I'll let you know when it's time for you to move on. And we're going to pick up in verse 12 and it says in this land of famine now, because remember, it was a famine and Aunt Isaac was thinking like most of us would. I need to get up out of here. Nothing's happening. I'm not going to be able to take care of my family. I'm not going to prosper. And God is a faithful God. He's a God of covenant. And he had already promised Abraham that he was going to bless his seed, um, you know, for a thousand generations, even, you know, as far as he could count the stars in the sky and the sands of um, the kernels of sand on the on the seashore. That's how far and wide his seed and his legacy would be. And Isaac was the manifestation of that and the beginning of that. And so God hadn't forgotten about God doesn't get amnesia when he makes a promise. He absolutely intends on and does keep his promises. And so here he was with Isaac and he kept his promise. He kept his promise to Abraham because the Bible tells us here in Genesis 12, excuse me, Genesis 26, verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. So let's just stop there for a moment. Isaac was in a land that by all accounts shouldn't have given him anything. He was in a desert, a famine, a barren land where for everybody else it's not working. Let's just say that maybe, you know, there's a bust economy. There's a a, a recession, so to speak. And, and for the record, I never participate in reception, recessions, never have and never will. There have been a few in my adult lifetime, and I've opted out of all of them, and I encourage you to do the same. Glory to God. So um, we could just say Isaac was in the in, a, in the midst of a, of a recession. He was in a famine. I mean, there was literally nothing that was producing. There was no abundance. There were no crops. But yet the Lord blessed him where he ended up getting a 100 times more 
than what he than what he planted in that same year. It didn't take five or six years. It didn't even take two years. The very same year that he planted it was the very same year that he saw the return on what he planted. He saw the return on that investment. And it goes on to say because and it says because the Lord blessed him. And that's that's really the answer to it. You know, people sometimes they want to dissect it and, and try to figure out it. And, and you can understand that from, you know, a human perspective. They want to understand, you know, well, how did they get that? And how did how were they able to do that? And how was she able to do that? You know, she's single and, you know, she's a black woman and he's this or he's that. How were they able to do that? How can they afford that? How can they live there? How can they drive that? How can they do this and that and the other? Well, the answer is simple. First of all, they get involved in the process of what God is doing. They hear God and they obey God. That was number one. So first and foremost, Isaac had to be trusting of God enough to actually say, okay, Lord, even though it looks like nothing is going to work out for me here, I'm going to trust you. And the way I'm demonstrating that I'm trusting you is that I'm going to actually act out on what you what you're telling me. I'm going to act out on your word. And so he stayed there where God told him to stay. And then he went on and he planted. And so that's number one. But the bigger thing is that the Lord blessed him because he could have done all of those things. But if the blessing of the Lord didn't kick in, if the blessing of the Lord wasn't there, to cause it to flourish, to cause it to grow, he would have been in the same position as everybody else, all the heathen that were around him. But instead, God made a distinction. He'd already promised that he would bless Abraham and his seed. Isaac was his seed, and so Isaac got the blessing. And the Bible says in verse 13, he became a very rich man. I want you to say very rich. Rich is not a dirty word. Not when you're living for God, not when you're getting it honest, not when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Now, if you're out here hooking and crooking and stealing and robbing and scheming and scamming, yeah, the Bible has a, a, a clear dissertation for you. But we're not talking about those people. We're not talking about those methods of, quote unquote, being rich and getting rich. We're talking about honorable living living before God, righteously, trusting God, working for what you have, doing what you're supposed to do. And sometimes you don't even have to work for it. I mean, when the blessing hits, it just hits. Everything someone has doesn't mean they had to work for it. They don't steal it, but they still get it honest. If God decides to bless your life in a certain way, there's no man on earth who can block it or stop it. And you don't have to explain it. The blessing speaks for itself. That's why we should not covet what other people have, because we don't know how they got what they have. You could be coveting somebody who's out here robbing Peter to pay Paul, living hand over fist, who really owns nothing. They're just fronting as if they're prosperous and rich. But you actually have people who really are blessed, who really are prosperous because they're hooked up and they're walking with God. So you just worry about you. The Bible says that you look right on, meaning look straight ahead. Don't look to the left. Don't worry about what your partner over here on the left is doing. Don't look to the right. Don't get caught up in what the people on the right are doing. Look straight on. In other words, look at what you're doing. Look at where I'm taking you. Look at the path I have for you, because that path is the blessed path. If you'll walk with me on it is what the Lord is saying. How do I know this to be true? 
Because listen at the very next verse. It says in verse 13, he became a very rich man. And I love that. Woo! Glory. Come on, someone. Very rich. I hope you're sitting in your car, in your house, wherever you are listening to this saying, yes, Lord, I received some of that very rich anointing. <laughs> he became very rich because when God is in it, there is no limit. God is the limitless, bountiful, all-powerful, all ever, ever-flowing, ever-increasing God. You'll never catch God saying, oh, you know what? That last prayer wiped me out. Angels, we're going to have to wait a minute before we take any more prayer requests because I got to fill back up. The coffers are empty. You'll never catch God saying that. You'll never catch God being broke. God walks on gold. Are you kidding? The streets that he walks on, he puts his feet on gold. It's all his. The Bible says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything that is, everything that will ever be is God. The Bible says the Lord blesses you. The Lord who what? Made the heavens and the earth. He made the heavens and the earth. So I think you get the picture. And so we're never going to exhaust the bounty of God. That's why you don't have to be jealous. That's why you don't have to be. And I don't have to be jealous because when we really step back and think about it, Jealousy comes from a place of thinking that there's shortage. Somehow, if they have it, there's not going to be enough for me. Well, if God blessed her that way, can he really bless me too? Yes, he can. And yes, he will if you get in his flow. Because there's no shortage in God. He has all these children, but guess what? He's able to take care of them. Now, there are some people out here, they, they, they're good at making babies. They're good. At throwing that seed around, but now taking care of him is a whole nother story. Well, that's not God. He's able to take care of all of his children. Glory be to God. And not only just take care of them, but bless them lavishly so that they have everything they need to live the good life he ordained. It doesn't mean that he said everybody's going to be a millionaire or a gazillionaire. If that's where your faith is and that's what it takes for your for you to fulfill your purpose in life, you will have it. But he's promised that you will live abundantly, that you will lack nothing, that you will be the head and not the tail, that you will be the lender and not the borrower. That your barns will be filled with plenty and your presses will burst out with new wine. Oh, yes. Glory to God. And he says he was a very rich man. And listen at this. His wealth continued to grow. Come on. We're talking about compound interest to the nth degree. We're talking about overflowing, never running out. I'm so blessed. I can't even count it all. You know, my family is so set that it's going to take 15 generations for them to exhaust just what I've amassed in my own lifetime. That's the level that God wants us on. That's his level. And it's even greater than that, because remember, you've heard me say there's there's first class and then there's Jesus class. First class has nothing on Jesus class. But God was just showing us here that even when the world says you're not supposed to make it, even when the world says you're supposed to be broke, busted and disgusted, nothing is going to work out for you here. 
You may as well hang up your hat. God will come in and show out in your life if you will stick with him. And that's exactly what he did. And notice Isaac's behavior wasn't perfect. It wasn't because Isaac was so perfect. Isaac had just sat up and told some lies. You know, the man just lied about his wife. If I were Rebecca, I would have had an issue with that myself. But I guess she understood and he fondled her. So (laughs) she must have been down with the program. Um, But they moved on, right? That's the grace of of living with God. Each day is a new day, new mercy. So if you're still hung up on some past failure, some past fault, some past, you know, sin or something that you've done that you feel makes you unworthy for God to bless you, for God to come through for you. Excuse me. Sorry. I got excited there. For God to fulfill his promises in your life. Don't let the devil pull that okie doke on you. No, you can see right here in the Bible. And these people weren't even born again. Did they have a covenant with God? Yes. But it wasn't the new and better covenant that we have through Christ Jesus. So even with all those conditions not being in place, God was still moving in the life of his people. He was still fulfilling his promises. And the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 13 and 8 that he's the same yesterday. I say that's yesterday. He's the same today and forever, meaning no matter what day of what year of what century, God will always be in the business of loving, blessing, taking care of and increasing his people. And out of that, yeah, people are going to people are going to hate. They're going to be jealous. How do I know? Because verse 14 tells me. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. Yeah. Jealousy is nothing new. Envy is nothing new. It's been around since humankind has been on this earth. And so people, they're going to look at you. They're going to look at you living good. They're going to look at your family being blessed and happy. They're going to look at you being successful in your businesses and they're going to look at all these things you have a great relationship with the lord and you know god and yeah they're gonna hate but guess what it stops nothing did it stop god from blessing isaac did it ultimately stop him from blessing isaac's seed and the seed after them and the seed after them no so let him hate while you go to the bank and make your deposits while you drive around laughing smiling praising the lord Because God is your source. And he will make your haters your motivators, you know. So, yeah. So what? People don't like it. If you're going to shrink back from the blessings of God because you're afraid of what another person is going to think or say about you, you're not ready. You're not ready, sister or brother. You've got to forget about them and they, the proverbial they. I always ask the question, who? Are they? I've not met they yet, although they seemingly have lots to say. Who are they? I'll tell you who they are. They are of no consequence to you and what God has ordained for your life. They could be family members. They could be co-workers. They could be neighbors. They could be 
a stranger on social media, whomever they are, they are irrelevant to what God has planned for your life and what God has planned for someone else's life is none of your business. That's what he had to break down to Peter, you know, right before Jesus was getting ready to ascend back to heaven, he'd come back after the resurrection and, you know, he'd given Peter his grace and Peter was restored to the brothership and he was talking to him and he said, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know, I love you. He said, well, if you love me, then I want you to feed my sheep. And he asked him that three times. In other words, he was overcoming every confession of doubt that Peter had when Peter had denied him. Those confessions of Peter now saying, Lord, you know, I love you. And Jesus saying, I want you to feed my sheep. Was a nullification of the denial that Peter had previously said. So God was giving Peter his mission. Letting him know, even though you denied me, Peter, in my darkest hour, I will never forsake you. And you are still worthy to me. You're still worth me giving you and entrusting you with my sheep. So Peter is hearing all this and he gets all off path. He can't take it. He has to turn and ask him, well, what about him? Talking about John. Literally, now this is the Lord talking to you about your your calling and your mission. And you're so caught up in what other people are doing. You can't even stay there with Jesus in the moment. You've got to come up and say, oh, okay, I hear you, Lord. Great. Thanks. But what about him? You know what Jesus did? He told him basically none of your business. He said, you know, if I want him. To sit and sip cherries, cherry juice until I come back. It's none of your business. Now, he didn't actually say that. He, I, I forgot exactly what he told Peter, but it was that that's, that was basically the takeaway. It's none of your business. Mind your business, Peter. I'm talking to you about you. That's the business that pays you. That's the business you need to mind. And that's what we have to do. We have to focus on what is God saying to me? That's why he said in Proverbs 4, keep your eyes on your path. Look straight ahead. Watch the way your feet are going, not to the left. Don't be concerned about what's happening over on the left. Don't be concerned about what's happening over on the right. Be concerned about what I'm saying to you for your life, because that's what's going to produce my best and highest for you. Hating on other people, being jealous of other people, that would never hurt them. That would never stop God from blessing them, but it absolutely will clog up the blessing for you. And ensure that you don't get it. So we have to do those periodic heart checks. None of us are immune. The enemy is always going to try it. He's always going to try to stir up envy, jealousy, strife. It's rooted in insecurity. It's rooted in fear. We just come back to center. We come back to God. We come back to the promises. We come back to the fact that God loves us. He's not a respecter of persons. If he did it for someone else, he'll do it for us. If it's his will for us. And it's his will. It's his will for everybody to have a return on investment. That's why I felt comfortable in sharing this word with you, because it's of no private interpretation. Yes, it's an it's an emphasis from heaven for me, which I'm excited about. And, and I'm seeing God fulfill um, in, in beautiful ways. But it's really for all of us, because Genesis 8:22 tells us as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be cold and heat. There will be winter and summer. 
That is an eternal principle. And so as we close this teaching and we'll pick back up here next time. I want you to get excited. The same way that God showed out in Isaac's life. You know, this is one of my hallmark scriptures for the year. Ephesians 3.20 is another and we'll go there really quickly and then we'll we'll wrap for now. We'll come back um, next time. You may already know it by heart, but it basically there the Lord promises that he will do exceeding abundantly above. Listen, exceeding abundantly above. Does that sound like broke? Does that sound like lack? Does that sound like barely getting along? Does that sound like not having enough? Does that sound like I need to be jealous of another person because my needs aren't met? Does that sound like I don't know where, where, you know, how I'm going to make it? No. It sounds like you have a good, good father. It sounds like you have somebody who's watching out for you, who's committed to you thriving, not just surviving, but thriving. He says, I will do exceeding abundantly above more than you could ever dare to ask or think according to the power that is at work in you, according to the love that is at work in you. So I want you to get stirred up. Glory be to God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It was a famine in the land. Isaac was not moved by that. God was not moved by that. And as a result, Isaac had a return of a hundred times more than what he planted. And he became a very rich man and his wealth only continued to grow. Hallelujah. That's the kind of return on investment we're talking about. And yes, we are going to still get to the foundation, but I just wanted to whet your appetite to show you that when God says it's your year for return on investment, he's not thinking small. When he says that to me, when he says that to you through his word, He's not thinking small. There are no small plans over here. So I pray that this is this has blessed you. I pray that you are excited. And I thank you as always for listening and for being a part of uh, my ministry community and family. I love you. I pray for you. I speak the blessings of God over your life. And I thank you for being liberal with the podcast, to share it, to follow, comment, download share it with friends and family. And I look forward to being with you again. And until we are together again, I want you to make sure you're living intentionally and embracing the good life in Christ Jesus. God bless you.